Good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show Radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. And I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area. It is a foggy morning. It's It's perfect. Perfect. For today. (laughs) For today. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, and if you could just stay home, don't listen to me. I know you probably got to go to work. You know, you got the kids out there. The buses were very, very careful this morning. The kids were being careful. So um, I just have to say something because I've been running into this. You know, when I go home at night, it's pretty dark. And a lot of people wear dark clothing. And when it's raining really hard, it's really hard to see people. So from my heart to all of you out there, be safe. And if it's dark and rainy and you're wearing dark clothes, um, make sure that you have your eyes on the drivers uh, because they are trying to see you. And I want everyone to be safe. That's just my little mom talk to all of you. So anyway, I hope you're having a really good day. I can't believe we're almost to the end of January and February is just right around the door. In fact, um, I think it's just a couple of days away. So as I say, I am the owner of Reiki Oasis and we're we're wow, it's 2020 and we opened our doors in 1995. That's quite a while. Lots of wonderful things over at Reiki Oasis. Of course, you can schedule yourself at schedule.reikioasis.com. And there's a lot of workshops. I do give workshops on Reiki, Reiki training. But I also have other things like angels and guides and how to talk to them. And um, also I do a, 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 a workshop on relationships and money. And you can just take a look at the calendar, which will be going up in a couple of days. It's not up right now. And take a look and maybe even sign up for those workshops that could be a couple of months away. You'll be able to find them. I also have every month a wonderful workshop for women called Temple of the Divine Feminine. And I just called it Temple of the Divine Feminine because I always have that kind of priestessy energy. And I love this idea of uh, women being divine or somehow... (laughs) Well, some of them think they're more divine than others, like like, like maybe me. Who knows? But we have a wonderful class every month, and it is a four-hour class. This coming month of February, we will be meeting Saturday, February 8th, from 1130 to 330. And if you want to sign up for that, once again, you go to schedule.reikioasis.com and um, be able to get yourself all signed up. And every month I am doing a Crystal Bowl healing concert with Sacred Cacao. And in February, it will be Sunday evening, February 9th at 7.30 p.m. in the evening. You do get tickets at Bala Yoga in Kirkland. And for those of you listening, be watching because I'm going to be doing some uh, Crystal Bowl concerts also at the Bala Yoga Fremont location. And um, probably uh, other places, too. So kind of keep your eyes on that and be aware of it. And uh, do sign up. Come on out. And for those of you that wonder what those Crystal Bowl concerts are about, they're really about healing, cleaning, and clearing 
aligning your chakras and uh, helping you get back into a state of balance. We are very resonant beings. Sound is a very, very important part of who and what we are. And we, we do something called sympathetic resonance. That means that whatever energy or vibration we're around a lot, we will begin to vibrate to it. So that means that if you're in an environment that is sort of hostile or the tonality is not lovely and beautiful, that if you're not doing your own work, like, like doing your own meditation or doing your own singing or dancing or whatever it is, it can easily pull you down and in its own way sort of detune you as opposed to you being able to hold your own higher tonality, your own sense of wholeness. So be aware of that. So the crystal bowls have this very pristine sound. And of course, there's a lot of people doing crystal bowl concerts. Remember, the person doing the concert is one of the instruments that the sound is coming through. And that's why you have a different experience. And of course, um, just looking forward to having all of you come out on February 9th at 7.30 in the evening. So um, we are listener supported. I do want to thank all my listeners. And um, I also want to say a couple of things about astrology, and then I'll bring my guests on the show. So we're at the end of January, and we're into the sign of Aquarius. The month of February, we ha- we're in a leap year, so we have 29 days in February. So it gives us an extra day to get ourselves put together, Benny, I hope, anyway. February promises to be, guess what, a little easier than January, I think, any, bit, any easier would be good because somebody said to me the other day, the month of January has seemed like five years already. So the month of February is going to bring us into balance, abundance, and the infinite potential of the soul. And on fe- February 8th, we're going to have a full moon in the sign of Leo, and that is the day of my temple class and also the day, day before the Crystal Bowl concert. So we're going to be bringing all of that great energy into those uh, classes that I'm doing. And this Full moon will feel easy and breezy compared to that massive full moon in January that was also aligned with that rare Pluto-Saturn conjunction. It's going to bring culmination to all we have been working towards since August of 2019 and the Lionsgate on 8-8-2019. That was August. The first week of February will help us bring closer to past issues that have been holding us back or bogging us down, and we're going to be given newfound strength and wisdom that will really help support us as we move through the month and the year of 2020. And I can think of no better way to bring January to a close and open the door into the new energies of February than having my guests on the show today, and they are doctors Professor Amit Goswami, Ph.D., well-known quantum activist, amazing author and teacher, and Dr. Valentina Onasor, M.D., a practicing physician, a pioneer of quantum integrative medicine, and a co-leader in transformational education. We're going to be talking about their new book, Quantum Spirituality, The Pursuit of Wholeness, And they have joined forces to reveal how the challenges of the world and our lives can be solved through the cooperation and merging of the wisdom of the mystics and the modern-day scientists. And so, Betty, let's bring them on. I hope so. We are crossing our fingers. Diligently behind the scenes trying to get this connection. (laughs) So let's see if they're there. Hello, are you guys there? 
Yes, we are here. Oh, yay! Yeah, I'm excited. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how happy I am. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear your voice, Amit. It's great to have yes. you. Yeah. Uh, I am very glad to be here. Yes, it's always good to have you on the show. And do you have uh, Valentina Onasor with you also? Valentina is right here. Uh, wonderful. Hello. Hello, wonderful to be here with you. So so wonderful. We're glad. For the listening audience, you know, um, you guys are where? Over in India right now? Is that true? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. In Jaipur, in Rajasthan. Jaipur, yes. Abs- oh, I love Jaipur. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'd pass life there. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, yeah, I'm so glad we had a little bit of trouble making a connection this morning. So, uh, yeah, thank you. but we made it. <laughs> yes, thanks to divine and all that is, and in your own goodness. So, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation about your new book, Quantum Spirituality. And so, I I have a couple of questions I just want to lay because uh, lay down for the listening audience. Can you talk about this word quantum and what is quantum? What is quantum spirituality? Get us into your okay. language. Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, um, absolutely everybody's question. What is quantum spirituality? Uh, the word quantum means um, a discrete quantity. Uh, that's the etymological meaning. So originally, the word was suggested for uh, denoting uh, the smallest grain of energy, elementary particle of energy, so to speak. But then it was found that all elementary particles of matter and energy, both are waves, waves of possibility. And then the whole game changed because waves of possibility cannot reside in space and time where we only see actualities, actual uh, electrons as particles, photons as particles. We never see the wave nature in space and time. So where uh, is the quantum object a wave? And the idea gradually grew that it is a wave in a domain where instant communication is possible. And what is that domain? That domain must be such that when that domain splits up, we have an observer looking at an object. In this way, we recognize that the domain is defined by instant interconnection, oneness, which is common to the mystical idea that consciousness is oneness. And consciousness splits when quantum measurement happens into a subject and an object that we call an experience. So that's how quantum got connected with consciousness, and, and that's why the meaning of quantum is connected with spirituality. Spirituality is expanded consciousness. In quantum physics, we get consciousness exactly that way. Expanded, but of course, memories and conditioning makes it contracted the way we feel. So it's also speaking about all these possibilities which exist in each human being. So it actually, in this way, quantum science is bringing something very, very practical and applicable to every human being in any areas of life. Now, in your book, Quantum Spirituality, um, the two of you, uh, well, the two of you joined forces, and, and of course, um, you know, uh, Dr. Onasor, you know, you're a practicing physician, and um, uh, Dr. Gaswami, you are just a legend. I don't know. (laughs) 
You're a, like, a quantum. Uh, you're a quantum activist. You know, uh, how did the two of you meet? How did you decide to combine your forces for this book? What What's? Uh, I'll tell you. I yeah. can tell you. Yeah. So uh, I am uh, into spirituality and science since I was very very small, and uh, I was fortunate to meet in my life uh, people and courses and even an intense life which made me push me to transform through not always something so sweet, but always sometimes sometimes hard things. But eventually I discovered also like when I met uh, Professor Goswami about four years ago in Bangalore, where I was invited uh, to meet him because there was a plan to build a university there at that time. And we, we met and immediately I could uh, feel the necessity of what is to be added so that uh, the things become even more practical and uh, it is so beautiful because I see also Professor Goswami, even if uh, his age is over 80, but the capacity to transform continuously, which I don't see in others. And it was immediately a recognition that, wow, we can do so many wonderful things working together. And then I, immediately I, I got into his team. And then uh, it didn't happen in the university at that time, but it's happening now. So it was like after that, uh, I went into various projects in other countries with him. And now it's happening that we have this uh, wonderful project with university. We just started now. So interesting. <laughs> and meanwhile, the book, yes, this is my also my first book. And I'm happy and was so flowing and inspired. So. I, I love that. Do Dr. Goswami, do you have anything to add to that? Well, um, yeah, I wanted to say that when I met Valentina, she was attending the for the workshop that I was doing at the time in Bangalore. Um, and uh, she was very quiet during the um, uh, workshop. But after the workshop, she uh, wrote me a letter with a couple of pages of uh, great insight. And I saw immediately that this person is no ordinary person and invited her to work with me. That's wonderful. I, I think it's just wonderful. And you, you, because I can feel, I'm just going to say this, I'll just say it my own way. I can feel that the two of you are, are going in the same direction in some manner. Who is this book for? And, and this is a big question because we're going to cover this in detail. What do you hope people take away from this book? I think we will both answer this question. Uh, for my side, um, I have always felt that in the traditional spirituality, uh, you, you know, it is um, in Hinduism, it is recognized explicitly. In other traditions, it is rec not recognized so explicitly. But everybody knows that spirituality is, in the conventional way is looked upon as an escape from the world. And I felt that my spirituality is just not that way. I want to serve the world. I always wanted to make um, uh, the spiritual tradition scientific so that it can serve the world better. And so it was always a, a keen desire for me to found a spiritual tradition, a new spiritual tradition that would do just that. And then to my surprise, I discovered that there is within the spiritual tradition two parallel branches. One branch uh, says that, yes, the ultimate goal of life is to uh, surrender everything to God and go for liberation. But there is also another branch 
which says that no stay in the world and serve the world. This branch actually is quite well known, although people misinterpret and put it into the, as if it is the other branch and the other branch is the only branch. But this branch now first showed up in the Bhagavad Gita in India. This branch gained some strength in the tradition of Kabbalah in the Middle Eastern Jewish tradition. And this branch um, is actually supported by even Christianity, although people have various interpretation of resurrection. But, uh, you know, it's a little bit intricate to explain, but resurrection is birth in an immortal material body. So Jesus is not really escaping the world, he's just serving in another form. So in this way, um, I found what I was looking for, and then in Aurobindo's work, I found that uh, here is another man, fairly recently, who has worked extensively on theory of evolution, has found a substitute for Darwin's theory. And so in him, I found a kindred soul and um, started working, uh, following some of his ideas and succeeded, uh, finally. And Valentina's role has been wonderful because she came from the medicine side, which is actually an exploration of wholeness. So together we founded this new spiritual tradition. Hopefully it will catch it's a spiritual tradition for worldly people. You don't need to escape. You can serve the spirit right here on earth. Make the earth a better place to live. Yeah, and also if you see there are, there's this uh, separation, people which are very, very mental and into science, and then all the other people which are into expansion of the heart, into spirituality, let's say, and I could see, since I'm working with Professor Goswami, how uh, this is creating such a stuck, you know, they, they get stuck at these levels and the necessity of integrating this mind and heart, science and spirituality, female, male, you know, male, all these polarities, from what you see outside is also what we see inside. So I learned a lot in this process, which is really is like a song somehow. <laughs> and it just makes all the sense because it has so much common sense in it. And uh, also, like, I'm always impressed of um, Dr. Goswami's attitude because I really, I can see, like, so it's kind of more every single day I can see such a quick uh, transformation, I see. And it's also, he's teaching a lot in that kind of state of flow, but in the same time, he is learning very interesting, so not from so many perspectives. So it's really surprising to meet the uh, all these qualities and all this, uh, which which obviously has to manifest now that is uh lovely i i really enjoy listening to both of your answers and and also i'm going to let the listening audience know that in you in your book in in the combined effort of you two into this book quantum spirituality the pursuit of wholeness that i really appreciated both of your voices and you both of you share some uh personal things in here which i think is really helpful to us as we're we're going through this um, problem of integrating the head and the heart, which sounds like the t- <laughs> I don't know if one of you is the head and the heart, or you both have figured out how to connect the head and the heart. I think that's the the <laughs> issue, right? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I do I too. Hope, you know, that is the biggest challenge for um, humanity, I think, right now. Because the world, as you know very well, uh, still has a lot of male control in it. And we need, badly need, I should say, the female touch. We need to bring love and heart into the equation. 
And um, I think that if I were not uh, so integrated to some extent, um, my teaching would not be very meaningful today because everybody is doing it the male way. There are so many teachers. Um, I think quantum spirituality better be uh, integrating both male and the female. And we give a very, very good scientific explanation of why it has to be that way. Because the uh, male-female difference, that being similarity, is built into the brain. And for that, we cannot do anything. And as Valentina says, the polarity is good because the polarity brings the male and the female together so that they can interact. And that, But that interaction has a main barrier because of a social cultural constraint. Uh, females learn the emphasis on the heart. Male learns the emphasis on the navel chakra about what makes them a bit selfish, a bit narcissistic. So if male give up the narcissism and females um, take charge a little more than they usually do uh, by sociocultural constraint, as they are doing now, but a lot of, lot of women have given up being women anymore. Mm -hmm. So that is not very good either. So male and female first have to integrate their navel chakra ego-centeredness and the heart chakra other-centeredness. That's the integration has to happen first. Then we have a joint heart, this combined heart chakra of the body that can compete with the brain cells. And then the heart and the head could be integrated. And I'm, I'm very happy to say that I have done it to some extent and Valentina has done it to some extent. We still have ways to go, but this is a wonderful journey. This is a great journey. Um, so the navel chakra, I think you mentioned in your book also something about uh, I'm going to call it the third brain at the navel. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, the, the navel chakra is very interesting because that is the first self of the body. It's connected with our survival. And indeed, all males would be playing a major role in that survival orientation. They have a bigger body. Traditionally, they have been the protector of the women the weaker sex, and all those things are correct as far as body is concerned. But now in the 21st century, the body is just not as important. In a civilized society, we don't expect to people to be accosted in a violent manner all the time so that man's role as a protector of women is now practically over. Now what we need is the higher needs of human beings to be satisfied, um, and therefore is why the integration of the heart and the navel is essential. Women, on the other hand, um, because of maternity needs in the future, the cultures all over the world have always uh, taught little girls to be particularly sensitive to others, and therefore they have a natural tendency to take care of the other. But on the other hand, in the process, they neglect to take care of themselves. So the women have to strengthen their navel cells and the men have to um, uh, loosen the grip of the navel cell on themselves and come to the heart. And that's the integration. Yeah, can I add something? Yes, okay. please. So, yes. Uh, what we mean by that, it's also like an emotional brain. You see, for example, you have all this node in the stomach, like when you have stress, you know, and it's, it's even actually a point, a pressure puncture point in that area, which kind of speaks about your stress. So, and also the more you integrate the, that level, 
which is kind of the place where you start transformation, because that's the place where you start this fire of transformation, actually, which is also related with the state of self-confidence, self-respect. And uh, women, again, if you are attentive, you, you can just see how is your tummy situation. It's very contracted. That's actually even dangerous for the health, like all these fibromas. I have experienced a lot working with women. And uh, women have has a tendency to even sit in a way that somehow the belly area is, remains contracted and the energy doesn't, doesn't circulate in that area. So if that is the case, it's definitely an indication to start working on that because if not, it can lead to also physical disease, not just that. Besides the fact that you still you're keeping yourself in a state of uh, disbalance at this level, which again is related also with the state of courage, the first impulse of transformation starts when we put fire there. So it's a lot about that. Um, I love what you're saying. And I'm assuming that I know in your book you've got some little exercises that you put in there. Is, yes. there, is there something you can share very quickly with the listening audience? Because you're talking about yeah. starting that fire down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, easy is actually to learn about fasting. That's very, very, you know, there are studies how fasting is extremely, extremely beneficial to everything. For example, me, whenever there's too many things on my head, let's say, or if I have any unclarities or I have anything, actually, what I'm doing is fasting. And even I discovered these last days because we were visiting uh, in Calcutta, Yogananda's house, Paramahamsa Yogananda, that he was also recommending to is uh, the students that uh, whenever they feel like that they should just fast with water and it's perfect and it is true it's very interesting when you when you do this you let your digestive system a break and you just drink water what is just fine it's not it's not a problem and it's really reinforcing the immune system it's helping the body has really a, a wisdom and it's just coming together because many times we just eat because we are worried because we are stressed we just want some chocolate or we just want to eat you know because we have nothing else to do but uh, we can the more you get in touch with your nature the more this is something i mean you don't live for eating you're eating for living okay so this <laughs> yeah. fasting is really because uh, there, are, there are even hospitals in russia and other places where they treat diseases which are very serious like cancers for example with fasting so anyway, I was talking to Professor Goswami about this, and that's when uh, when uh, he admitted that actually at that level there is a tangled hierarchy. He will tell you what that means. Like uh, it's a memory-making capacity and perception, which starts from there. We, we already HeartMath Institute discovered that at the level of, of the heart, and then we took it further. So at the level of the heart, again, it's a kind of brain. And also at the level of the head, we had the brain, which also that we are not using it enough kind of if you have if you use 70 percent you're a genius already so we are sitting on so much possibility that we have we are sitting on a mine of diamonds but uh, we are not using them usually enough because for example this emotional intelligence we don't learn it we should have learned it when we are in our childhood from our parents but we, very few people do that and that's why we end up in a era which is dominated by this technology, by this addiction of computers, all these other things, and losing of the meaning of life, which is actually what leads to disease and to splitting, the losing of the meaning of life. Okay, exercise. The abdominal breathing, it's a very easy way to exercise. So besides the fasting, simply paying attention, especially women, to engage the abdomen when you are breathing. 
So instead of doing just superficial breathing, which we are used to, which is clavicular mostly, sometimes thoracical, kind of simply put your hand on the belly and see if that area is contracted. And if it is, just simply allow your diaphragm to, to expand so that you can engage the abdomen also in the breathing. And just doing that, even putting the hand on the belly, doing that even for 10 minutes, you can lay down or you can sit or in whatever circumstances and getting used with that you're bringing a bit more awareness in that area which will be of an extremely extremely hard will create more clarity and more quality actually okay that's an easy way then we have many other practices but this is something easy but usually people don't like easy things <laughs> so <laughs> even if there's a decision yeah we are looking for complications because of the mind which is asking always something new and new and new so that's our system nowadays which we would like to a little bit, make it better. Thank you. I love that. I'm, I'm chuckling because you're right. We Sometimes it's like, really? Is it that easy? You know, maybe. I, <laughs> but it, yeah. it's a it's a, a, a discipline. It's a tenacity where it's a, yeah. a, a teaching, retraining the body in some way is what I'm hearing you say. Yes, yes, yes. So we need to learn uh, before learning what means really relaxation and meditation. Some discipline is needed. And learning concentration and some discipline is needed. <laughs> yeah, there are also, there are also very good Chinese uh, practices like Tai Chi and Qigong, which helps a lot. Although they would be a little bit difficult to describe without a uh, video showing, but uh, one can move energy between the chakras by simple hand gestures. Hard to believe, but Qigong masters, uh, they manipulate energy in their own body that way, even in other people's body that way. I'm sure people have seen, um, well, even Kung Fu, that's part of the same tradition. So um, these are the ways that we can um, learn to integrate the heart and the navel. Also, of course, there are many yogic practices, which is genuine yoga is really practicing, is giving so many tools for that, and pranayamas. But besides the practice, the point is not only those minutes when you practice. The point is to understand what is it about and cultivate it in your life like a new resonance, something mm -hmm. which you really, you, you know. So when you want to achieve something, you can cultivate, you can see what are the damaging resonances and what, what you want to really do and put that intent and hold on it. But again, some discipline, and also just not just discipline, you need some inspiration. That's why we go to doctors, that's why we go to a teacher, to get some inspiration, and then so that we can do our job, because it is true, we have everything inside. But we need to know, to have the spark, to put the fire a bit. Um, when, when people fast with the water, is there a, an amount of time they do that, or do they follow the prompting of their body? Well, Amit also got into that, and he he's also doing some intermittent fasting. Let's say there is a lot of a lot of, about this. So intermittent is also fine, like kind of minimum sixteen hours, let's say from five p.m. to morning sometimes. That's also helping a lot. But uh, doing a real fasting, from my experience, like I'm doing uh, one day or even three days sometimes, or even more sometimes according and then you can do all just various practices in, in those time and or you can even just do your work it for me it's like kind of in the first day i feel like all kind of toxins are cleaning 
but then it's everything easy just we our mind is kind of and of course if you have diseases like diabetes or other problems that has to be supervised and done with common sense but again one day of fasting it can be done you can no it can, it's not so difficult as we think one day of fasting per week or one day of fasting per month and things have to be done gradually with common sense wonderful um, yeah go ahead from a scientific point of view the reason that we need fasting or the reason that we need love in the heart is actually the same reason that we need sleep every night we need sleep because there is a self in the brain and wherever there is a self um the organs that are involved in bringing that self about the tangled hierarchy those organs need rest we all know if the cortex does not get its nightly rest uh, we become dysfunctional similarly immune system gets rest every time we love another person why immune system job is to distinguish between me and the other when immune system is suspended then only we love another we include another person in our consciousness so in this way any time we are loving we are actually giving immune system a needed rest um and as regularly as we do it is better so indeed uh, having a regular love relationship in our life we all know medical research shows again and again clinical research that people who have a regular love relationship in their life they live longer they live healthy and all that similarly with the same argument therefore a regular regime for fasting actually should work even better than this intermediate fasting which has been well known for pre-salt additions for another reason as well not only the uh, self gets rest but if you periodically fast that also gives rise to easier access to altered states of consciousness so that too contributes to people fasting but on the whole this 168 um the tradition that is developing gradually this is a new dieting system i find quite popular i have been doing that for many years and uh, it works uh, it gives the needed rest for the self at the navel chakra the navel chakra organs need that and uh, that's when they will function the best um so in this way um the all this has a very scientific basis what valentina uh, said and, and you know chinese medicine actually agrees with her completely uh, that's why i actually learned that uh, both the navel and the heart has to be dealt together in a joint way and both all of us have to integrate those two chakras in order to function in an integral way in the body and then only we can talk about integrating head and the heart. Wonderful. Thank you. Um I get asked about that a lot and you provided some really great clarity. I appreciate that. I I want to uh go back to this idea of wholeness and can you talk to me a little bit about the exploration of wholeness versus self-exploration and um uh, why why do we call that quantum? the uh, self exploration as i said before uh, leads us to a situation where when we find the nature of the self when we discover the nature of the self uh, 
which is called the self-realization experience, what we find is that there is no self. Uh, self is a no-self. Um, the Buddhist tradition is the most accurate in describing the self. But all traditions agree that eventually the idea is to give up the self, kill the self that we call the ego, and accept the fact that oneness is everything. Um, and so the this inner self or quantum self that we call it is actually a no-self, which means that it's a doorway to the oneness. In other words, when you discover it, the manifestation stage means that you gradually leave the world behind and you identify with what in Christianity is called God realization. You identify with God or oneness. And most of the time you live in a state of samadhi in Sanskrit, in a state of union with oneness. So this is in the fact of what I was talking about earlier, living the world. Well, okay, not completely, so long as they're alive, they do come out occasionally, and in their presence, people feel very good. There are plenty of evidence of it. I myself had direct evidence of it a couple of times couple of, from a couple of great teachers. So I have no doubt and I have enormous respect for you know, these enlightened people. But at the same time, I, as I said, I, feel, I always felt a little sorry that humanity loses out because once they pass away, that energy is gone and that presence is no longer uh, available. So this is why I asked the question, okay, here you get enlightened, but there was no body to enjoy it. Can we have a form of enlightenment in which we can retain our ego and also enjoy it, don't have to give up the ego? That's when the idea of wholeness archetype came to me. So wholeness is a bit different. It is the, in a sense, people have been misleading, mistaking wholeness and self to be the same thing because they sound like the same thing. But really the approaches are different. The self is uh, discovery of oneness really, realizing that there is no self. Whereas in wholeness, we integrate all the dichotomies. We have many dichotomies. We just talked about one in a major way, male-female dichotomy. But we also have the dichotomy between transcendent oneness and the immanent ego, which is individual. We also have a dichotomy between uh, our internal experiences and the external um, material reality. All these dichotomies, when we integrate them, of course, also the archetypal dichotomy like good evil, beauty ugly, those dichotomies. And right now, uh, no thanks to Donald Trump, big dichotomy between truth and lie. Um, so these dichotomies also have to be integrated. And that's what wholeness archetype is about. But you integrate them with the creative process, and the creative process uses both the ego and the quantum self. Quantum self gives us the inspiration or the idea and the ego provides the expertise to give form to the idea. So in this way, in this enlightenment, ego gets to play with the quantum self, an experience that increasingly people are admiring, an experience that psychologists call flow. This flow experience is another way to live with oneness, but it's not giving up the ego. Here, the idea is ego and quantum self, they uh, collaborate in a collaborative manner, and it's very joyful. I myself uh, live that way, substantial part of my life, so does Valentina. So we know that this is, when it becomes completely available to us, this is a very, very good substitute for the traditional enlightenment where you live with 
unconscious oneness and only when you wake up you are available to your to the world in this way we are always available to the world because i can bring it while i'm teaching um, i teach from the flow and it is quite wonderful to share um, myself in that way because students uh, feel that that i am in a flow mm-hmm. i can give you one example for example uh, a guy he becomes a monk because he said oh i had enough of this world usually we say that we had this enough of this world when we don't manage to live our life kind of up to you know something somebody's uh, our lover is uh, going away for example and then you say oh yeah that's it my life is gone and i better just retreat you know i go in a cave or something but uh, usually many times it's like that you know and for example this guy let's say he goes in a cave for 20 years and he reaches so many even states of enlightenment he's passing by and then one day he has no he he's hungry and he says okay i'll just go to the village nearby he's going there and then he's getting that but he cannot pay it and he was offered like okay let's just do this one day job and so eventually from one step to another he's caught up in this uh, one day life and he's becoming a drunker for example yeah so he kind of all that he did is just lost because he didn't work inside with his own shadows right mm-hmm. with all his negative pain circuits and all these things so he was just running away so running away is not the way uh we speak about reincarnation of course for which there's so much evidence so uh, this uh, wholeness part is um it's it's about authenticity and about it's about courage it's about uh, also in for example if you have a health problem a sufferance the way of course is not to turn back and run or is not also to fool yourself or, you know it's kind of eventually you get to unite these two two polarities which are there and you get to to the state of acceptance where things just melt into that state of neutral state and then again then you are you are what we call present more and more of course it's work but uh, we have like what uh, professor bazami just said this creative process which again when you sit on it and you understand it just brings all the sense and uh, so many so many spiritual currents are here and so much science which is developed nowadays so i'm so happy because this quantum science is really bridging in this what i call again common sense way both aspects because in this way it's, it's again it's not about hierarchies it's about the togetherness it's about this non locality it's about the whole humanity to maintain this humanity actually you know not to run away not to oh you are the best and the others are not so it's about humanity for me well wow, there is so much in what you're saying i'm i'm thinking of several things you know um i'm i'm remembering you know the the uh be in the world and not of the world and i also uh remember somewhat one of my teachers saying to me a long time ago you know Loretta you can go and and meditate and really get into a lovely state but to find out how you're really doing you got to go back out in the world right yeah <laughs> yeah and there are so many examples that you know uh, many people who uh, do enlightenment the traditional way when they come back to the world uh, thinking that well i do i should do some teaching they don't do very well because they have not uh, taken care of their worldly stuff mm-hmm. uh, that valentina just talked about and therefore they get trapped in the world in a very bad way all kinds of scandals break out 
and this is a common blasphemy uh, on the um, uh, <laughs> spiritual teachers in the world. But it is true, you know, that many spiritual teachers unfortunately get into that um, not being able to handle the world. Mm -hmm. All that can be solved by simply realizing that there is a certain um, readiness that is needed for the uh, traditional enlightenment and blanketly everybody going for the enlightenment when they're not ready is not the right thing to do anyway. So we invite people to stay in quantum enlightenment as long as necessary. And then when they are ready for the final journey, let them take the journey at that time. That way there will be no confusion. There will be no problem. Um, people are ready and therefore they can enter into the final, final sleep, as they say. Well, and, and that's so important because I, I sometimes think that, you know, like we get into these trends, like uh, I need to be enlightened. You know, I need my rainbow body activated, whatever it is. It's like I've got to go get that done. And um, you're right. We have to do the work, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> there's no shortcuts in that part. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the archetypes? And uh, because you're talking about. Uh, not Jungian archetypes, you're talking about love, beauty, abundance, you know, goodness, things like that. Uh, talk a little bit more about these archetypes. Uh, why are they important? And how do we know, how do we connect with our, our archetypes or do we need to? Yes, we do need to. Uh, but first, let me say that um, give some tribute to Plato, who was the original now, of course, Socrates um, probably is the originator of everything that Plato wrote, but I think that Plato also himself was an enlightened person. So in his work, we find the word archetype, the concept of archetype. And we think the nine archetypes that we repeatedly mention, abundance, power, love, goodness, truth, beauty, justice, and then wholeness and finally self, those nine archetypes are the most important archetypes for humanity. Uh, if you um, will, just look at the human professions and all of these archetypes are the basis of how human professions are supposed to be. So why is that? Because these archetypes um, give us another form of stimulus. If one form of stimulus comes to us from the physical world Another form of stimulus comes to us directly from that oneness. And this stimulus we receive from you know, by intuition. The other stimulus, of course, we receive by sensing. In between, we have the capacity of the mental, giving meaning to everything, and also the capacity of energy, vital energy that we feel. So um, these are the four ways that we experience things. But the archetypal experience is the most important one because that then sets another type of context. Just as the world, those stimuli, serves us the, gives us the context of how to live in the world, similarly, the uh, archetype gives us the context of how to unite the transcendent into the world. So if we want to uh, make the world a better place than the cards that are dealt to us, which as you know very well, everybody knows very well, our brain is not, um, in fact, far from being perfect. It has built-in negative emotions, built-in ego-centeredness. So all these things, pleasure-centeredness, information processing tendencies, because it is a kind of a machine, 
So we need to train the brain and how best to train the brain except the uh, explore the archetypes. So archetypes, arch archetypal exploration, creative archetypal exploration is the best way to bring new meaning and new feelings into our body and the brain. And this is why the archetypes are so important to us. The personal archetype, that concept came from reincarnation. I find it very valuable for our students. We always help them to discover the personal archetype. And um, as Joseph Campbell used to say, when you find the personal archetype, you, it will be life becomes bliss. Life just becomes bliss. Yeah, and to give you something from the medical perspective again, uh, you know about it, all this dementia, what's happening, dementia, Alzheimer's uh, in the past, this was happening very late, you know, of age. Nowadays, you can see this even at 45 years old, let's say. And why is that again? Because we lost the meaning, you know, meaning which is very much related with Dharma, which is kind of what, what, why we are here for in this life, you know, and this is totally related with our archetype and karma, actually, some terms which we are using, which um, oh, for all, another, another example, when, um, when the people are healing spontaneously from states of cancer, for example, there are cases, obviously, and uh, it's not that they, it's like what, what we usually do, we put a, a mark on this kind of cases and we say this was just a coincidence, but it's so many cases which they really got some something in a certain way which is called divine grace and what's happening that these guys all of them they change their life and also what's happening is that they discover something for which is really worth it to live for and that's again related with the archetype so once you start following your archetype and you start dancing with it in your life uh, then for example if you're a doctor and your archetype is wholeness which is related with health then you're not working what you do is not just a work for others. It's also work for yourself, which is, again, it's not a work. You can just do it. You don't feel that you're working. You're, it's got so much passion in that. For example, what I do now these days with Amit, it's really like it's continuous work. But it just feels like all this work is just purifying. And it's purifying and it's bringing just more love for everything. And it's melting all these impurities. Eventually, you get to do what is called karma yoga. When you follow your archetype, you're on this path, which is the royal path, actually. But when you're not following your archetype, you're following what somebody else is telling you, that's totally different. And then eventually life, which is a big master, will take you in circumstances which you will call bad luck, maybe, you know, where you are just you just have to sit on your butt and look, where are you? What is that voice in your heart which eventually got lost, sometimes in the childhood or sometimes later because of failures? Failures is not uh, is not something that we need to stop when you, we have a failure. I had my experiences like many, many years of sufferance and even disease. And uh, eventually, so again, when you learn something, all this is a huge, huge lesson of growth, of rebirth, so wholeness. Um, you, you said something in there and it caught my ear. You said something about, and you said this earlier in the show too, the losing of the meaning to life. Uh, you yeah. know, leads to disease, and then I, are, are you writing a book on healing by any chance? Yes, I, by how do you know? We are I, just finishing <laughs> soon. We, we, this is the second book I, we are on. How because my heart's wanting it. Is, uh, I asked because my heart was like, gee, I hope you're writing a book on that. Yes, 
Definitely, definitely. This is the second one, which will be published hopefully this this year, at oh, the end good. of this year, hopefully. Good. I think we yeah. need that one because this loss of the <laughs> sense of Dharma, our identity and our path, I mean, it's just so in, it's so in our conversation. Uh, can you talk a little bit about like how do we how do we connect with our archetype? Uh, you, in the book, you talk about intuition, creativity, dreaming, um, and we're down to like three minutes left. But could you just kind of address that? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> no, the connection to archetype is not difficult. Um, as somebody already have named the um, archetypal connection as a kind of a. Um, it, it's, it's an effect because archetypes come to us. It, 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 they call it attractor principle. Archetypes are attracted to us. And we find this is true. Although it was meant probably as a, um, a way to attract people's attention, but there is truth in it. Archetypes really are attracted to us whenever we pay attention to them. So my prescription, uh, Valentino will speak more of it, is seven eyes. I, the first eye is inspiration. Second eye is intention. The third eye is intuition. That's when the archetypes really come to us and we um, are intrigued, so we follow it through. Fourth eye is imagination. Fifth eye is incubation, which is a state of being. Uh, fifth eye is insight. Uh, seventh, uh, sixth eye is insight, and the seventh eye is implementation. Uh, so if you follow the seven eyes, you got the archetype um, definitely done with. You can explore archetypes. Okay, but it, I mean, now this is a short talk. It's a lot about that. And it's creativity is fundamental and situational. Fundamental is happening when you're really, for example, like I said, the cancer disease. If it's just situation, you just have a cold and you want to fix it quickly, you will not go into this deep process, which is the creative process, which Amit just described now. For example, about uh, discovering your archetype would be to kind of think that you're on the dying bed and that you're looking back and it's that thing which, without which you wouldn't want to live your life. You know, and for which is really working to put us, kind of discover this fire of passion, compassion even. And something, some value, like, uh, of course, study the values and see what is kind of, or even connect in the childhood and see what was your dream, what was your heart about, and then you just let it go. There are, of course, there are a lot of methods, but eventually it's kind of connecting with yourself and finding, finding why you are here for, what is just yours that you are bringing in this world. Everybody has a unique I, I think this is so important because we've lost a sense of ourself. Uh, everybody wonders who they are and all of that sort of good thing. So anyway, thank you both of you so much for being on the show. I feel like we barely opened this subject. Uh, this is Loretta Brown. My guests today are two doctors, Dr. Amit Ghazwami, Ph.D., and Dr. Valentina Onasor. Onasor, is that right, M.D.? Yes. And their book, Quantum Spirituality, The Pursuit of Wholeness. You better just go get it right now. And uh, you can get it on Amazon, I'm pretty sure. And uh, you can find them on the internet, amatgoswami.org. And uh, Valentino, what, what's your um, website? Uh, it's the same. You find me on, okay. uh, on Professor Swami's Find website. it on there. Yes. And we look forward to your next book coming out also. And please read all of Dr. 
Goswami's books. They're excellent. This is Loretta Brown. Be kind to each other. Love each other. Let's get the head and the heart together and uh, make this a better world. Thank you so much. Bye now. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.